In the name of the loving, life-giving, and liberating God, who is Blessed Trinity. Amen. You may be seated. Today is the beginning of a four-week excursion through what is known as the Bread Discourse in John. Our lectionary will keep us here in this chapter for the next four weeks to consider the first I am statement that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. In this case, I am the bread of life. This discourse follows directly on the heels of Jesus, uh, of John's telling of the feeding of the 5,000. It is also steeped in Old Testament imagery and references, just as the feeding of the 5,000 was, not least because the I am statements themselves are an allusion to the divine name of God as it was revealed to Moses. Yahweh, the name that God gives to Moses in Exodus, is the to be verb in Hebrew often translated as, I am that I am, but which also carries the sense, I will be who I will be, or I am that which causes things to be, or I am the one who endures. We know that Jesus' I am statements are referencing the divine name because the word used for the divine name in the Greek translation of the Old Testament which was already in use in Jesus' time, matches the Greek word used to construct these I am statements. Though it took time for the concept of the Trinity and the understanding of Jesus' divinity to fully develop in the early church, here in John we have the buds that will flower into fuller understanding. But though this claim to divinity is washing over the background, what looms larger in this particular passage is Jesus' relationship to Moses and the manna which was given in the desert. We heard pieces of this story from the Exodus in our Old Testament lesson today. Important to understand that though Jesus' words and interpretation sound oppositional to the text as the Jews would have received it, Jesus is not actually voicing anything that would have been surprising to his fellow Jews. When Jesus says, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is God who gives you the true bread from heaven, he is making two clarifications with which his fellow Jews would have fully agreed. First, that the he, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat, was God rather than Moses, a claim with which none of them would have argued. And second, Jesus changes the verb to give into the present tense. God continues to give the bread from heaven. This would have been familiar to Jesus' audience as well, since anamnesis, that present remembering that we do in the Eucharist every week, in which the events of the Last Supper continually occur at each new place in time when it is celebrated, that anamnesis comes first from the Israelite celebration of the Passover, in which it was not 
the ancestors who were liberated, but each person who celebrated the Passover thereafter. So, though in English Jesus sounds like he's correcting a false interpretation, he's simply restating what was already believed in order to drive home his point. And Jesus' point is that God continues to give the bread from heaven, which sustains God's people, and that Jesus is that bread of life. The lectionary cuts Jesus off there and does not allow him to complete his thought. Here or next week, three verses are simply skipped, but they're important to what Jesus is trying to say. After he says he is the bread of life, he says, but I have said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. This verse is another that has often been heard in a negative fashion and has been used to cut off the people of Israel from their God. Again, that's not quite what is happening. When we read this passage in John, with the passage from Exodus fresh on our minds, we will see that what Jesus is talking about is not belief as we have traditionally understood it, but trust. But I have said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not trust. And trust can be appropriately inserted for the word belief throughout this passage. Because when we look at Exodus, the issue at hand is one of trust. When the Israelites began to complain to the Lord, it had been six weeks since they left Egypt, and almost as long since they had come to an oasis with water and dates available. The provision that they had brought from Egypt were surely dwindling by this point. And though the Lord was leading them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, all they could see in front of them was desert. So, understandably, they complain. And although they come up with horrible solutions in the midst of their complaining, including that it would have been better to die in Egypt, God hears their complaining and gives them what they actually need, which is food. And we hear again what we take as a negative connotation, that God is going to test them in the giving of this food. We hear test, and we immediately think of failure, their failure, our failure. If there's a test, we're not going to pass it. But what God was actually doing was asking them to exercise their trust. God does not rain down armloads of bread. There's no way to stockpile their food for the future. God gives them enough for each day, and that's it. Perhaps you hear the Lord's Prayer right now, give us this day our daily bread. That's no accident. God asks us to trust, just as God asked the Israelites to trust. We won't always succeed. The part of the story that we don't hear is that some of the Israelites collected enough manna for two or three days. But the next day, all that they had collected was moldy and unusable. 
God took the excess that they had tried to collect. But do you know what God didn't do? God didn't stop providing for them. This test of trust was one that they could retake as many times as they needed until they learned that God was trustworthy, that there would always be manna on the ground the next day. God gave abundantly, continuously, but only enough for each day. Jesus is asking us to do the same in the Gospel of John. The people who have been fed the day before return to Jesus the next day, asking again for provision, asking again for the sign of manna so that their physical needs may be met. And they are not wrong in asking. Physical needs are important to Jesus, who heals the sick and feeds the hungry. And they're important to God, who sent manna daily for the Israelites when they were in the desert. God has already proved trustworthy on that front. Now, Jesus is asking for further trust. We have been working to trust God for daily bread. Can we also trust that God has more for us? Can we also trust that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Jesus is the bread of life, the bread from heaven, the incarnation which begins the kingdom of God come on earth. We not only look forward to heaven, both the Old and New Testament speak of a new heavens and a new earth. Eternal life involves the renewing of creation. So can we trust God not only for our daily bread, but for the vast and slow work of change that is God's will done on earth as it is in heaven? Can we trust enough to become a part of that change? Can we be fed and taught by God, changed until we reflect the kingdom of God on earth, the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? The letter to the Ephesians tells us that we have been made one body in Christ, that when Jesus ascended, we were given gifts for the sustaining and the building of the body to grow the love of God and to become more and more like Jesus, who does the will of God. God has equipped us. God has given us our daily bread. We will be provided for, and through that provision, we will grow. We will learn to love and become more like Jesus. And we will learn that God gives more than daily bread that flourishing pours from the hands of God, and that God desires to save and remake creation until it is the perfect kingdom of God. That is why we follow God, to be fed this vision of unity and flourishing, and in turn begin to build it in our midst and draw others into God's vision for creation. Jesus is the bread of life, 
Those who come to him will never hunger and thirst, because God provides daily bread and so much more. Amen.